Isaiah 53, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? This morning, I'd like to share with you for just a few moments a very simple message entitled, Fake News. Father, we thank you for the Word of God that speaks to us clearly in every season of our lives. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as your word goes forth, you would speak to each one of us. Lord, I pray that, that we would lower our defenses, that certainly we always want to remain discerning, but we do not want to become defensive with anything we hear today. We want you to speak to our hearts. We want you to challenge us where we need to be challenged. We want to be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. So, Lord, I pray that you would do as only you can do. Lord, it's not important that I be a good preacher today. It isn't even important that I be a good teacher today. It is very important that the Word of God goes forward unhindered. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tender and open to you, that you'd speak to us your truth in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. And amen. One more time, would you give the Lord praise and glory in His house here today? Before you're seated, would you turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him in Jesus' mighty name? You know, the subject of fake news has dominated the national conversation now since the 2016 presidential uh, campaign. It seems like you can barely turn on your TV without someone raising the issue of fake news. And as I understand it, fake news is written and published with the intent to mislead in order to damage an agency, an entity, or a person, and to gain an advantage politically and or financially. Though the term fake news is a relatively new development, it is an ancient practice. Fake news is as old as time. Fake news has always been a part of the human experience. Uh, Interestingly enough, Christians historically have often been the victims of fake news. Many of you know that when Nero set fire to Rome in order to indulge his lust for building, and suspicion began to grow concerning his involvement with the setting of those fires, he quickly resorted to fake news and blamed it upon the Christians, which many of you know led to widespread and vicious persecution for all of those who called upon the name of Jesus Christ. It was also published throughout the Roman Empire at that time that Christian love feasts, which were celebrations of their communion with the Lord that we just celebrated a moment ago, were actually sexual orgies, and that communion itself was nothing more than cannibalism, that they were eating flesh and drinking blood rather than recognizing that the wine and the bread were simply symbols to put them in remembrance of the crucifixion of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this fake news was heralded in order to mislead the masses, 
to damage the reputation of true disciples of Christ and also to gain an advantage over their growing numbers in spite of the heavy persecution that they were enduring. Through the centuries, uh, there have been many examples of fake news. If you know your history, you know that Benjamin Franklin wrote uh, fake news about murderous scalping Indians working with King George III in an effort to sway public opinion in favor of the American Revolution. Fake news was used extensively in World Wars I and II. In fact, in all wars, there is propaganda. There is fake news that is put out there. There are simply too many examples for you and I to share here this morning. I just wanted to give you a few to just show you that fake news has always been around. But by far, the greatest purveyor of fake news is our adversary. The great dragon, the serpent of old, the prince of this world, the god of this age, Satan himself. Now maybe here this morning, there are some of you that would say, Pastor Kurt, I might as well check out of this message right now because I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in Satan. I do not believe in demons. I don't believe in demonic activity. And that's fine. That is your prerogative. In no way, shape, or form am I here to convince you of the existence of the devil. In fact, Satan would love nothing more than for you to continue to deny his existence so that he can maintain his hellish grip upon your life and upon your soul. But I do believe in the devil. I do believe in Satan. I do believe in demonic entities. And I do believe in their activity in the world today. And the reason I believe is because Jesus believed. And anyone who died and then rose again on the third day from his own death deserves my attention. Deserves for me to trust in what he says. And for three and a half years of his earthly ministry, Jesus continually dealt with demonic activity and even with Satan himself. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus called the devil a murderer from the beginning. He also referred to him as a liar and a father of all lies and actually said of him that there is no truth in him. Now, I have heard it said about individuals that you know they're lying because their lips are moving. Well, certainly that is true of the devil. You know that he's lying every time that he moves his lips because there is no truth in him. Even when he speaks a truth, it is twisted. It is always a half-truth because his desire is to mislead the masses. In fact, the very first time that we are introduced to the devil in Genesis chapter 3, we see him reporting his fake news to Eve in order to mislead her, to viciously attack God's character and reputation, and to gain an advantage over her and even over the people of the earth. In fact, in Genesis 3, we read this in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to her, woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it is with that simple exchange that the way to eternal destruction was paved and laid out, and sadly, every man and every woman that is born in this earth is already born with a sentence of death upon them. From that time, even to this present moment, it has always been the strategy of the enemy to spread and propagate fake news to anyone who would be gullible enough to listen to it. And what struck me the other day is that the first word that is ever used to describe the activity of Satan is the word cunning. The word cunning in the Hebrew language means subtle. It means shrewd. But it also means sensible and prudent. Now I can think of many words that I would use to describe the activity of the devil. Sensible and prudent would not be among those I would use. And yet your Bible tells you that Satan is both sensible and he is prudent. In other words, Satan puts a lot of thought into each story that he fabricates and manufactures and then considers well the most strategic time to release that lie into your life. Think about that for a moment. Not only is he shrewd, not only is he subtle, but he is very wise. That he thinks about every lie that he formulates and he considers well when the best time to put it into place. In fact, the Bible says even when he tempted Jesus that he departed from him until an opportune time. He's not after you every second of your life, but he is looking for strategic moments to bring forth lies for you to believe. And that's tragic because most Christians today give absolutely no thought to their Christian faith. It is my experience when I talk to most believers that all they do is spit back what someone else has told them, what they've heard, what they've read in a book. Very few Christians know how to open up their Bible and actually research it for themselves to discover the truth of God so that they would not be persuaded any other way. Most Christians have given no thought to their walk with Almighty God. They do not know how to build themselves up in this most holy faith. And for that reason, they fall for every lie that the enemy throws their way. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You know, the Word of God says that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And one reason that we are destroyed is because we are ignorant of the devices of the enemy. And when you're ignorant of the way he works and operates, he begins to take advantage of us. And there are many of you, even today, the enemy is consistently taking advantage of the ignorance that you possess of the ways of the enemy. And with eternity hanging in the balance, can I tell you, we cannot afford to be ignorant of his devices. We cannot afford to be ignorant to the ways and the operations of the wicked one. Now, I'm not one that likes to talk about the devil because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. But every once in a while, we need to be reminded of the way that the enemy can operate. For instance... Did you know that when the devil comes, he comes as an angel of light and illumination? 
When the enemy shows up, he doesn't show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. He doesn't come in any way that is blatant. He is subtle, the Bible says. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as an angel of illumination. He is one that even sounds somewhat godly when he comes. Because he knows that if you could see him coming blatantly, you'd never have anything to do with him. So he comes in a very subtle way. He comes as an angel of light and illumination. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He knows how to approach you. He comes as if he is illuminating you, as if he is coming with revelation that will take you deeper in the things of Almighty God. Did you know that sometimes when the enemy comes, he comes through false teachers of the Word of God? In that same portion of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 and 14, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And it's no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Paul is making it very clear that these false teachers who transform themselves into apostles of Christ are being satanically inspired because even as Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, so these false teachers know how to transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Can I just tell you, you need to be careful about who you sit under and the messages that you hear. Can I just tell you today, folks, not everyone that opens up the Bible and quotes Scripture is actually representing the heart of Jesus Christ. And if you are gullible enough to believe that that is true, that if they open up the Bible and they speak from it, that they're representing Christ, you are going to be greatly deceived in this last day. We need to understand these things. Did you also know that the enemy loves to quote Scripture? Did you know that he loves to twist it slightly to mislead you? In fact, twice during the temptation of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Satan quoted Old Testament Scripture in order to try and allure Christ away from the truth. Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Wow. I have long believed and taught here at Bethel that the great falling away of the faith that we read about in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is going to be a very subtle falling away. It's not going to be masses of men and women just one day saying, I'm through with Christ, I'm through with the church. That is too blatant. No, 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 it's going to be much more subtle than that. The falling away is going to happen in the church house. The falling away is going to happen with men and women coming into churches, singing songs, hearing messages. The problem will be that the spirit they feel will be a deceiving spirit and the doctrines they hear taught will actually be doctrines that are initiated by demonic entities to mislead the masses. They will slip into eternity believing that they heard a gospel that will save their soul. Instead, they will hear a gospel that damns their soul to an eternal hell. Did you know that the enemy will also mask his fake news and false miracles? 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, Paul said, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The Bible makes it very clear that the closer that we get to the coming of the Lord, there is going to be lying signs and wonders that will follow the false gospel. And unfortunately, many will look at those miracles and say, this verifies that it's of God, but it will be a lying sign and wonder. No wonder the Word of God says that if it were possible, He would deceive even the very elect. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the reason they're deceived is because they preferred miracles Miracles over the word of God. They did not receive the love of the truth and they were easily slept, swept away from it. Folks, we cannot give in. I love signs and wonders and I believe God works in miraculous ways. But the word of the living God is what we hunger and thirst for. In Jesus' mighty name, signs and wonders follow that word for the glory of God. Did you know that sometimes... The devil will even use close friends who are not submitted to the Lord to deceive you. This was the tactic that Satan used with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had sat with his disciples and he had told them, I'm going on to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer there at the hands of the religious leaders. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now you know you're in trouble when you're rebuking Jesus. And he said, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, I am sure that Peter thought he was doing the right thing. I'm sure that his intentions were pure. But what he didn't know is because he wasn't submitted completely to God, he was actually being influenced by Satan to try and get Jesus to not go to Jerusalem to die for you and I. And Jesus discerned that, saw right through it, and immediately recognized what was happening. And folks, I'm going to tell you, God will use even so-called Christian friends who are not submitted to God to try and get you out of the will of Almighty God. Can I just tell you, folks, when you start looking at this, you realize why Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't want you to be devoured. I want you to be awake. I want you to know the truth, that the truth will set you free. Don't let the enemy sell you fake news anymore. In Jesus' name. Now, what's his motive? Why does he do this? Well, I believe that's why we read Isaiah 53, because I believe that gives us a glimpse as to why he is doing this. Remember, Isaiah 53 again, what did it say? It it says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of God been revealed? Now, when you read it, you understand that the arm of God is revealed to those who believe the report. That's what he is saying there. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report of the Lord. Now, the arm of the Lord has always been symbolic of the power of God. So what he's saying here is that the power of God is revealed to those who believe the report of the Lord. 
And it is for this reason that the enemy seeks to spread fake news. Because the enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord, no weapon he forms against you will ever prosper. The enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord, when he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against him. The enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord, that God with his mighty hand will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, that he will free you from all disease. The enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord, that God will deliver you from the terror that comes by night and from the arrows that fly by day. The enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord that though a thousand may fall at your side and the ten thousand may fall at your right hand it will not come near to you. The enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord that you will also believe that in him you are more than a conqueror and you'll be persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities or things present or things to come nor height nor death, nor any other created thing can separate you from the love of God. In short, the enemy knows that if you believe the report of the Lord, you are more than a conqueror. You cannot be defeated because greater is the one in you than he that is in this world in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God the praise for that. And that's why his deception is so subtle. That's why it is so strategic. That's why his fake news comes in such a brilliant and elaborate package. Because if he can get you to believe his report, you will not believe God's report and God's power will never be revealed to you. And so that's why he wants you to believe your marriage can never survive. That's why he wants you to believe that your husband will never change. That's why he wants you to believe that your wife will never love you the way you need to be loved. That's why the enemy wants you to believe that you'll never be good enough. That's why the enemy wants you to believe that your kids will never get off drugs. That's why the enemy wants you to believe that you can never be saved, that you can never be healed, that you can never be delivered because he knows that if you do not believe believe the report of the Lord, God will not reveal his power to you. But I'm thankful that not only am I saved today, but I am baptized in the Holy Spirit who brings me into all truth. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Can I tell you, you don't have to listen to the enemy's propaganda. You don't have to listen to the enemy's fake news because you know the report of the Lord and what God has promised. He will perform in your life in Jesus mighty name. Come on. I know it's raining outside, but give him praise in this house this morning. Amen. Amen. Bless God. Now, here's what I'm going to do. This remaining time we've got together, can I just take some time and share with you some of the enemy's fake news so that you can spot it? Now, this is not an exhaustive list. It is just what was on my heart on Thursday when I sat down to write these things. But just for these next few moments, I'd like to share with you some of the fake news that the enemy would want you to believe. And how many of you know we can fact check everything right here? We can fact check everything that the enemy says. Can I tell you, in these last days, the enemy wants you to believe that God's word is unreliable. He wants you to believe that God's word is unreliable. All that we have to help us navigate through 
the flood of deception that is pouring over this globe like an open sewer is the infallible, unfailing, unadulterated, and reliable word of the living God Almighty. We have a GPS for our soul. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we have a GPS. Amen. This is God's word. And it will help us navigate. It will show you where you are. It will show you where you need to be. It will show you how to get there. It will show you when you veered off the path and how to get back on it. The Word of God is all we have to help us navigate through the deception that is in this world today. And because Satan deals with and peddles lies and falsehood, he knows that the only hope he has of defeating us is to call into question the reliability of God's word and bank on us believing in his fake news. This is why he asked Eve, did God really say that? This is why he went on to say, you will not surely die. He was calling God's word into question. He was questioning the reliability of God's word. He wanted her to doubt the revealed word of the living God. And I'm going to tell you in these last days, Satan wants nothing more than to get you to believe his fake news that God's word is unreliable or at the very least it is out of date and irrelevant that it was written for another time. But we can do a fact check. And if you do a fact check very quickly, you will find that the word of God was not for a time, it was for all time. Because in Psalm 119 and verse 89, David said, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. What does that mean? It means that this is God's final word. God has already said what he is going to say about marriage, about sex, about gender. He has said everything that he is going to say about how to get to heaven, about the only way to the Father in heaven. Everything that God has said, it is settled in heaven forever. There is no additional revelation. There is no continuing gospel it is settled forever this is why Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 18 for assuredly I say to you till heaven and earth pass away one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled now a jot and a tittle are the smallest marks within the Hebrew alphabet and with Hebrew literature. They're the smallest strokes. And so what Jesus is saying is, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one of the smallest things that God has written in his word is going to pass away. It is settled forever. I can build my life upon it in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody give God the praise about this this morning? How many of you are thankful that you have the word of God to build your life on? This is why Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, beginning with verse number 10, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. 
I can be what it called me to be. Every promise of God is yea and amen. And you can build your life upon the word of God. And though it will not guarantee you that storms and trials will not come, it will guarantee you that when the storms and trials are all over, you're still going to be standing strong in Jesus' mighty name. Don't believe the fake news. God's word is reliable in Jesus' name. Can you give God the praise for that if you believe it? Amen. Bless God. Secondly, the enemy wants you to believe that God's character is undependable. He wants you to believe that God's character is undependable. The enemy would love for you to believe today that God cannot be depended upon, that he is not reliable himself. Satan called God's character into question when he said to Eve, you will not surely die. God knows on the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. He was accusing God in those words of lying. He was accusing God of not being loving but being selfish. He was calling God's character into question. And the enemy would love for you to believe that God cannot be trusted, that his character is somehow flawed. And can I tell you, he has done a masterful job on this one. Because you will hear people often, even in the church, say, I don't understand why God allowed this to happen. You'll hear this criticism often, even with skeptics and with atheists. They will say, if God exists then why does he allow evil to happen? If God exists, why did he not answer my prayer? Why did my grandmother die? Why did my wife leave me? Why did my husband uh, become abusive to me and to the family? If God exists, then why does evil go on? If God is a loving God, he would stop evil from happening. Can I just stop here and say this? That God's faithfulness is not seen in that He is always delivering us from the consequences of our own sin. His faithfulness is seen in that He has delivered us at all. Because let's all be honest, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of Almighty God. And if God gave us what is right, we would all be separated from Him for all of eternity in hell. That would be justice. But I am thankful that God demonstrated His love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if that was the only thing that He ever did, it was more than enough for me to know that He is a loving, merciful, dependable God, how many of you are thankful that he didn't leave you in your sin, but he came to your rescue in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Come on, give him praise. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 1, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his 
creation and His creatures. Not only is every good and perfect gift coming from above, but also there is no variation or shadow of turning in His character, which means that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is loving yesterday, today, and forever. He is merciful yesterday, today, and forever. He is just yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful, and He also brought us forth by the word of His truth. Can I tell you, you did not choose him. He chose you. How many of you are thankful today that he brought you forth by his loving mercy and grace? He is faithful. The enemy also wants you to believe that you are unforgivable. He wants you to believe that you are unforgivable. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the story of redemption. All we see is man sinning against God, man separated from God, and then God working through time to redeem man to himself, ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. And Satan would love for you and I to believe his fake news that we are unforgivable, that we are unredeemable. I was thinking about it the other day. Adam and Eve had sinned against God and their transgression against God brought untold agony to the heart of not only the creator but the universe itself. Sin had entered into the world and sin brought death. And as I said at the beginning of this message, every man, every woman that is born into this planet is born with the clock ticking. You don't enter into this world gaining time. You enter into the world losing time. And the longer you live, the faster that time is passing. Isn't it amazing? Everyone dies because all have sinned against God. And God, before Adam and Eve had ever sinned, had made no mention of any hope of redemption. He just said, on the day that you eat of this fruit, you will die. And yet, in their sin, what does He do? He forgives. He covers their, their nakedness with the skins of an animal. And then He prophesies. And he says, one day from the woman will come an enemy to the devil. And yes, there'll be a moment when the devil bruises the Redeemer's heel, but there will come a moment when with that same bruised heel, he will crush Satan's head once and for all. And with those words, he said, Adam and Eve, you've blown it big time. You have plunged the world into wickedness, but I'm still going to save you. And if God can save Adam and Eve, and if God can save Moses, who was a murderer and if God can save David who was a murderer and an adulterer and if God can save Saul who became Paul who was also a murderer but then became one of the greatest apostles that ever walked upon the face of this planet then my God can save you today in Jesus mighty name it doesn't matter what you've done grace is greater than your need come on can somebody give God the praise for that The Bible says in 1 John 1, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't believe the fake news. God can forgive you in Jesus' name. You know what? Satan would also love you to believe that your sin is unbreakable. 
He would love for you to believe that your sin is unbreakable. You know, sin is devastating. It doesn't matter whether you're sinning before you come to Christ or after you come to Christ. Sin is always devastating. It is always selfish. It always brings forth death. Don't ever think that because you are a Christian and you sin that God thinks less of it. Sin is always selfish. It is always self-centered and it always brings forth death. And for that reason, because he is a violent murderer himself, Satan would love for you to believe that it is impossible to live free from the clutches of the sin that so easily besets you. He wants you to keep sinning. He wants you to believe that you can't be free from it because he knows that every time you sin, you bring death into the world. He wants you to believe that you're bound to sin and that there's no freedom from it. And in that, you'll be bound to see the faces of your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, your children, your friends, your family, even your God with the hurt and with the pain and with the betrayal that always accompanies sin. He wants you to believe that you can't be free from it and that as long as you live, you're going to be in it and you're going to be continually bringing pain into this world. But can I tell you today, please do a fact check. Don't take my word for it because God's word says in Romans 6 for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace but God be thanked that though you were say were were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you have been delivered and having been set free from sin you became slaves of of righteousness folks I'm going to tell you you don't have to live another day bound in that sin because our God is greater than sin yes you have to grow in your faith and you have to develop but I am thankful that in Christ I can be holy and I don't have to keep sinning against God and bringing hurt and pain of this world because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world in Jesus name come on give God the praise I got I got two more we got time for two more Satan also wants you to believe that your praise is unprofitable he wants you to believe that your praise is unprofitable there is nothing more the devil would love for you to believe than when you praise all you're doing is singing the song and that it has no real effect on your situation. You know, I can't go into this, but before Satan fell, according to Ezekiel 28, he was actually the worship leader in heaven. He was actually called Lucifer, the son of the morning. He, he was a son of light. He was a worship leader. Timbrels were formed within him. He was in charge of seeing to it that God received all the glory and all the honor. He was a cherubim in heaven. He was a high-ranking angel, and it was his responsibility to usher the angels into worship and to praise unto Almighty God. But at some point, Satan became enamored with himself, his own beauty, and the talents and the gifts that God had given to him, so much so that he wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshipped himself. Well, I'm not going to go into detail, but he was promptly dismissed from the presence of God along with one-third of all of the angels which became the demonic entities that we deal with today. Now, I say all of that because Satan is in a unique position because he knows what praise to God can do. 
He knows the power of God that is released when He is praised and when He is glorified. And so He wants you to believe that your praise is unprofitable. He knows what David revealed to us in Psalm 22 in verse 3. But you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. He knows that when you praise God in the midst of your trial, that God inhabits the praises of your people, that God is enthroned, that literally when I praise Him in my pain, I'm letting God be God in my situation for the glory and the honor of His great name. And so don't let the enemy ever tell you that your praise is unprofitable because when you praise God, you're bringing God into the midst of your pain and he's at work in Jesus' mighty name. I was reminded of that the other day when I was reading the story that's told to us in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were preaching in the city of Philippi and they were arrested for their faith in Christ. And this is what we read there in verse number 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, the deepest prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. And it's about at that point, all of us would have said, God, why are you forsaking me? I mean, let's be honest. If you had been arrested, beaten with rods, thrown into the darkest prison, and fastened to stocks, most of us would have collapsed at that moment. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And they were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. I love that. The prisoners were listening to them. Not because they were interested in the song that they were singing, but because they wanted to see if they would fold under the pressure. I'm going to tell you folks, the world is watching you not to listen to the song you sing in your pain, but to see how you live. Because like the devil, they are convinced that you and I only serve God because things are going well. We've got to show them that hell or high water, we are still going to praise our God in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, say suddenly with me, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. What happened? God inhabited the praises of Paul and Silas. He came on the scene and set them free. And I'm going to tell you, though praising God may not immediately turn your life around, it will set your spirit free. Don't you let the devil steal your praise. You keep praising him. You say, I don't feel like it. That's why the Bible says it is a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it takes pain to push through, but you keep praising your God because it will always bring God on the scene and he'll move in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody. Praise his name this morning. Hallelujah. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. And then finally, the devil wants you to believe that darkness is unstoppable. He wants you to believe that darkness is unstoppable. He wants you to believe that there is no stopping the kingdom of darkness. That the kingdom of darkness will prevail. And I'm going to tell you, there are times when, from the looks of it, it appears that way. But can I just tell you, it only appears that way. We need to fact check this. 
Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Folks, I'm going to tell you we are the only entity in the universe that has been built by God so that the kingdom of darkness cannot prevail against it. Imagine, we're the only entity in the universe that can rise up against the kingdom of darkness and know we will never be defeated. That we have been given power and authority to bind and to loose everything on earth that has already been bound and loosed in heaven. God's saying, yes, darkness is prevailing, but it only prevails when Christians do not remember that they are infused with my Holy Spirit and that they are here to make a difference for the glory and the honor of God. We can't believe the fake news anymore. We have greater power available to us today. How many of you believe that God is still going to use the church in this hour to do a great work in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. I was reading this the other day. It's in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 21. I love it. I was watching and the same horn, and that is the Antichrist, and I can't get into that right now, but he's talking about the Antichrist. I was watching and that same horn, that Antichrist figure, was making war against the saints. This next part makes us a little uncomfortable and prevailing against them. Wow. Until the ancient of days. That's Jesus. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there are times when it feels like the enemy is prevailing. Some of you even now, it just feels like the enemy is prevailing and that he is going to win this thing. But I'm going to tell you, you hang on because at some point the Ancient of Days is going to come upon the scene. He's going to rule in your favor. And from that moment on, you will possess the kingdom of Almighty God. Folks, greater is the Lord living in us than he that is in this world. Don't believe the fake news. Believe the report of the Lord and God will reveal himself in Jesus' name. Come on, stand to your feet and give God all the praise in this house this morning. Come on, stand to your feet. Put your hands together. Praise his great name this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Come on, bless his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.